Hi, I'm Emily Roger, host of the Boiling Point Podcast. My co-host, Dave Vale, and I will bring you thoughtful discussions with leaders who are positively impacting our world. This is The Boiling Point, where leadership and inspiration meet. All right, so welcome yeah. to The Boiling Point. I'm laughing because we started and we had a little technical difficulty, but we are here. Emily, can I hear you? Not us. We don't ever have technical difficulty. Never. My camera worked perfectly last time when we got on, uh, and I didn't have to reboot my whole computer. And so I was, just, I was just saying hello, and I was just asking. You, you mentioned being excited about this interview uh, coming up, and we're going to introduce our guests in a moment here. What are you excited about? Like, what, what about this particular guest? Yeah, I've heard Nancy's name so many times from so many various people, and I don't know her, and I feel like I need to know her that I should know her. So now it is finally happening. <laughs> Let's bring Nancy in. I'm excited to introduce you to Nancy. Who I've known for there she is for quite a, quite a while, and from a coaching perspective, I'd like to share this: that Nancy uh, was the founder of uh, and and really launched the Wallace McCain Institute Entrepreneurial Leaders Program. And what the part of it I wanted to share, and which I became a participant in, at the urging of uh, Nancy, because I didn't want to put my name forward. I didn't want you know I was a speaker and I liked that status, and you know not nothing's wrong in my world. I get it all figured out. And then I realized, you know, I could really benefit from this. And and I'm still with my group, um, this peer group for, I guess we're going on 11 years or 12 years. Um, but previous to that, I had just got into the coaching world and Nancy and I had met and she wanted to, you know, have a foundational piece of the program be um, coaching and support participants coaching each other. So Emily as a certified coach, like this is early days. Like I'm talking, like I had, I had a hairline. I just launched the business. It's like 2000 five or six, I can't remember the exact year, but real, real early days. So, that, so I'm, and we're going to get Nancy to introduce herself because she'll do it better. And then we're going to um, kick this interview off properly. So, but is that, does that give some context for you, Emily, in terms of this Yeah. Okay. Did yeah. I explain that? Okay, Nancy? Well, I'm going to take you even further because I told that story this last week, Dave. Oh, yeah. So when we actually met, and I don't even know whether there was a time before like, I can't remember a time not knowing you. So if I take it back to that original meeting, it was on November 5th of the year my son, who is now 30, was in grade nine because I designed a take your kid to work day around him in St. John around you. And so my initial, do you remember Andrew being there? How we designed yeah, the Wallace yeah. McCain Institute yeah. and what the parts are going to be? Yeah. I used it as my workshop for my son in take your kids to work. That's right. I totally forgot that. Yeah. That, wow. That's amazing. And I think it's important to just in the time, and you, you started it with the potential for one cohort, right? You weren't really, you didn't know what it was going to be beyond that. And I think that's kind of an important point, like in entrepreneurship and we don't know what things are going to be often. And, but, you know, kind of that beginner's mindset that you came out with, but, but in, in the years that have passed, I mean, you know, you would have the stats probably it's pretty, pretty remarkable. You said it well yourself, Dave, when you talked about your own personal experience about being nominated for the program, you got nothing to fix here, nothing broken. I'm okay. Right. <laughs> no, that's, what that's on? A, pretending. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
But what entrepreneur doesn't pretend? If you didn't pretend, you wouldn't be an entrepreneur, right? We're always casting forward. We're always, and that's that's a that's a spoiler alert for where my mind is right now. We're casting forward as entrepreneurs and how are we building our own path? And for you, you are on a path and as many entrepreneurs are, that you don't think you need remedial help or peer coaching or involvement or connection with others. You think, you know, you pretty much have it there. And nobody could have convinced me in my time as an entrepreneur. Well, I'm still an entrepreneur, but in my earliest time as an entrepreneur, nobody could have convinced me that I would have needed a peer group and this kind of support. But to your comment about um, over time, you realize that you're alone in this and that you need people around you and it it takes a community and it's not around not knowing what you're doing. It's around how could you do better at what you're doing? So to your point, when we started the Wallace McCain Institute um, almost 16 years ago now, there wasn't an understanding of it being a multi-year journey. It was going to be a one-year because what entrepreneur is broken more than what one year will fix. <laughs> and now it's your 11 years later, things are still going strong for your group. Yeah. And 550 people overall. That's okay. That's wow. the kind of, yeah. And there's some really interesting revenue numbers associated with that. And it's just been quite remarkable. So Emily gives you a little, a little taste of, of Nancy. You've seen some of her bio and, um, I didn't realize you were uh, a board member with uh, Amera. I had no, I didn't, wasn't aware of that. That's really cool. Yeah, Amera Forensic Pipe. Um, Derek Oland was part of the Amera um, Nova Scotia Power arc, involved with them going public, and I'm I've been very close to Derek since he was the founding chairman of the Wallace McCain Institute, and so that was something that he saw a place for me at, and it's all around helping leaders move into their next stage of development and everybody giving everybody a leg up. So Emily, I'm also excited to talk to you about the other side of my life, and that's where it comes into sports. And I got the inside scoop from Amanda; she was prepping me for today of a little glimpse of your world. So we'll probably talk about things that Dave has no idea I'm involved in. No, I, yeah. I, picked, I picked up on some of this, and that's I'm I'm looking forward to that. So Emily, I'll let you chime in. You 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 go ahead. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know that the uh, <laughs> that it goes both ways but you also get the full prep on us <laughs> love it well and so with that nancy like i know you as being have yeah, walls mccain and i think because dave has spoken about you so much and other colleagues and so where are you at now like what does nancy do now probably seven or eight years ago i started a tradition i don't think dave was involved in this one but i started a tradition of setting an annual theme for myself one word, and Dave will understand the significance of one word in my life. You can boil a lot down if you have to be brief. It takes a long time. So I go through several months of discernment and trying to understand what my one word, what my theme is going to be for the year. And I've done this for the last several. And this year was a year of open because December 29th was going to be my last day as the executive director at the Wallace McCain Institute. So my one word this year was open. And I told myself that after 15 years with the Institute and the, and the period before that was also a 
15-year segment of being an entrepreneur, starting my own business, commercializing my PhD research in chemical engineering. So that was kind of like phase one. Wallace McKay Institute, 15-year period, felt like phase two. And I knew I was going into phase three, and I'm 55. If phase three is another 15 years, I'll be 70. So I have one phase left, and I like the idea of getting down into something significant and large that I can sink my teeth into. So if I'm going through a 15-year reset, I gave myself a year to be open. And that's my word, open, receptive. And we'll, we'll talk about antennas and microphones and speakers and transceivers and transmitters a little bit later with you in sports. But it was really putting up my antenna being open and receptive to where could I feel inspired? And I loved, as I was, I, I'm, I've been familiar with the boiling point since before there was a boiling point. I think I was in the first handful of guest speakers. Um, and your comment about being the intersection between leadership and inspiration, I think is really profound. And so I'm taking a year at being right at that intersection and not rushing myself out of traffic, just feeling it all come at me and looking for optimizing the next inspiration for me. So where am I? I am finding myself again, having never known I was lost. And it's great fun. What an exciting time. Yeah. It's kind of cool. I recommend it for everybody. Love it. It's really cool. An interesting point for for you. I don't know if you're aware of this, Nancy, but the way I met Emily was through Greg Hemmings, another another ELPer, uh, entrepreneurial leader program cohort uh, participant, and he did this amazing documentary on Emily's story. And and then entered. She just came in one day for an interview. She wasn't expecting. And now she's become an executive coach. She's got you know she's got all these great things going on. This became the lead host of the Bowling Point. So it's just it's another interesting point of connection. We just had this started with this interview a number of years ago, and but kind of a neat you know that Greg would have made this introduction, and now the three of us are talking, and it's just it's how it happens, isn't it? It's just such a small world, and everything like references and that extension of personal trust between people makes everything work so much faster. And to your word of being open of, of none of these, none of these connections amongst the three of us and with Greg would have happened if we were not open. And I love, you know, as little as I know of you and being in, um, being with Q5X and, and about transmitters and audio and that your word is open and you're a partner in this industry, because like, I, I think of, you know, the miking up and it is that thing of like, okay, we want to be able to just hear things as clearly and concisely and crisp as possible. So what a beautiful analogy that those are your two, your two areas right now. So she's chomping at the bit, Dave. You want me to do a Q5X bit? <laughs> yes. When you hear what the company's doing and where their microphones are, it's, it's, it's really impressive. So I'll, I'll back up again. So when I, I said three phases of my life, the first phase was being an entrepreneur, commercializing my PhD research. And at that stage, I had created an instrument that was measuring uh, thermal properties in materials as a proxy for measuring uniformity and homogeneity in pharmaceutical drugs all over the world. So global distribution, hardware, software in a device 
sold through a representative uh, distribution channel. And that went through a bankruptcy. That was hard, a lot of learning there. I turned that learning into helping entrepreneurs follow their dreams. And that was what the Wallace McCain Institute was. But ultimately, the Wallace McCain Institute is part of the University of New Brunswick and not something that I had, I had a lot of I had a lot of passion for it. I had a lot of my soul poured into it, but in the truest sense of what equity is, I didn't own it. It's part of the University of New Brunswick. So as it got to its uh, being comfortable and a teenager at 15 years old, mom could move away and, and do something else. And so my long-term business partner, Paul Johnson, who'd been my venture capital partner, and helped commercialize the technology in phase one of my life, was my co-moderator and co-founder within the Wallace McCain Institute. And he and I invested and purchased a company 10 years ago in London, Ontario. And this is the Q5 app that Emily referred to a couple of minutes ago. And that's the a company that makes transmitters for professional sports globally. So she referred to the mic up segment. If you listen to uh, NBA for sure, NHL, possibly some NFL, um, golf now, live golf, PGA. You'll hear mic up segments that are after um, they're the, the instant replay version where they're bringing uh, athlete audio to the audience. And that's what Q5X produces, the transmitter that is in the jerseys and uniforms of athletes uh, all over the world that are safe enough so that they don't feel like they're going to get hurt if they fall and are land on their transmitter. So now I'm in combination of leadership and find me and in the world of the, the, um, the background in history that I have an entrepreneurship in Atlantic Canada, globally distributing instrumentation through my past company and then this world of athlete audio, also used for reality TV and theater, that's a new opportunity in front of me. But the challenge, the challenge is to let it all sit with me right now and not jump on anything too soon. I, I, so that's where I want to sp spend my time thinking out loud with you guys. I'm going to hack two coaches. And go help, help, help me, coach me, show me, bring me your skills. I'm in the middle of sitting in this soup of good ingredients that I've thrown into the pot with me, but it's not going to be ready to eat. This soup's got a savor. It's not going to be ready to eat till all the spices meld and possibly it sits overnight in my fridge. <laughs> Is that a tendency of yours to just jump on something or go all into something? I don't know, Dave. Is it my tendency to jump in on something and be all in? Probably, eh? How hard is it to resist? You know, you, you talk about Q5X and how, you know, all the things you could be doing there and the number of opportunities that you must be able to see in front of you, especially given you have more time. I'm just trying to imagine what it takes not to, to resist the temptation to just get to jump into it. It's really hard, especially because I'm involved and close to so many passionate people. And passionate people are infectious. They, you just want to like be part of what they're trying to accomplish. And it's hard not to just get caught up in their excitement and lean in and, 
and walk away from a phone call or a Zoom with like stuff you've committed to do. And right now I'm just protecting myself and doing some of that, but leaving space for me to imagine more. The first three months, though it is hard, Dave, like you do know me. The first three months, I had more work through my consulting company than I could deal with. And that's why I was telling you, no, 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 on doing this podcast because there wasn't even time to breathe. And then I just had to sit back and think, you know, if this is it, if this is my last cycle of a big work engagement, let's take the time to think through it in a solid way and maybe make a framework. Maybe there's a TED talk this year. Like maybe I need to think deeply enough so that I'm actually creating some structural content that not only helps me, but maybe it helps others. So, but then that's maybe one of the temptations. Like maybe that's one of the things that I should just say, oh, wait, wait, I'm going to stay open. Yeah. You just, you just, you just frames it up (laughs) right there. (laughs) Is there anything that, I'm not surprised you, but interest you in, you know, specifically around Nancy's bio and, and her background and what, what Amanda shared with us. I mean, so many things. I think that like your, uh, your chemical engineering background came out as you spoke about phase one, I was like, Oh, and that was all right over my head. (laughs) (laughs) Me and you both. (laughs) But are we both all like this? Oh yeah. Okay. (laughs) No, 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 no. Here's how easy it is. Someplace, someplace where you're sitting, you have a pile of papers or you have a pile of foam or you have the cushion of your seat, unless it's really fancy and leather. Somewhere, put your hand, this is a this is a wild diversion. I'll, I'll make this make sense in a minute. Put one hand on something like a piece of paper and put your other hand on something metal. I grabbed a stapler. Which one feels colder? The metal. Good. <laughs> I'm always scared somebody's going to get that wrong. The metal feels <laughs> colder, but both of those objects are at room temperature. Your hands are 37 degrees, the objects are 22. What you just did was a non-destructive, easy word, take it for what it is. You didn't break anything. Non-destructive, interfacial, you didn't have to cut out a piece. So non-destructive with your touch measurement of the thermal properties of that object. You didn't get a number as a display. You knew they were different. So when I was in the world of pharmaceutical manufacturing, we put multiple sensors the size of a quarter all over a three-story tall piece of pharmaceutical blending equipment that would be filled with different kinds of powder. Each powder feels different to the sensors in its ability to transfer heat. When you start blending them, all the sensors were reading a different value because they were touching things that were different. If you blend them long enough, what you're touching becomes the same and the measurements become the same and it's time to stop blending. Now do you get it? I mean... <laughs> I, I've never heard it described that way, but that's very helpful, actually. I'd like it to- is. To use, a, yeah. you know, uh, the ability to share a complex idea for layman. Yeah, I love it. That's my point. And that's why I took you through the story. I've been doing that for years. I can simplify complex things and I can create systems and reduce them to a really easy, reproducible thing that if done, 
consistently over time, that little reproducible brick creates an apartment building or a cathedral. But all you have to know is with each brick, as long as it's strong and you've got grout around it, you can build anything. But just take that concept of how do you reduce difficult information into a concept that people can understand. Based on that, that's one of the core leadership or Nancyisms that I've been able to just do in multiple places. I did it as a university professor. I did it within my role in Mathis Instruments. I did that within the Wallace McCain Institute. And now I'm going to do it with something else. And it could be sports. It could be could be women's sport. Yes, you're teasing that. Well, let's uh, let's let's dive into that. And it's interesting, you know, you speaking about how you have so many passions, and passion is contagious. With for sure, it is. And it's like, is there something within your passion that is kind of a little bit higher right now? I've heard you speak about just the importance of standing for something. And so, is women in sport kind of where you are? In that journey right now? It could be. It could be. So I've been a female engineer my entire engineering career. So from first year engineering, it was, hey, boys and Nancy, you know, let's get on with this today. So there's always been attention put at engineering and females in engineering. And in, I don't know what year, 2002, maybe, I won the inaugural award for the support of women in engineering from the National Women's Association for Engineering. And when they called me to tell me I won it, I refused it. I was like, I'm not about supporting women in engineering. I'm supporting, I support diversity in engineering, but not explicitly women in engineering. So I've spent a long time not being a women's advocate. But there's something right now that's really eating me. And so within the world of what Q5X is dealing with, we're placing transmitters. I don't have anything equivalent. I don't have one with me, but it's almost, let me grab this. So if you take a regular post-it notepad and it's about, you know, whatever, a couple millimeters wide, our technology is about this size, about half that size. So it's that size of a big post-it note. And like a post-it note, it's flexible, like that. And so when athletes wear it, if they fell on it, it's not going to hurt you any more than a pile of post-it note paper. So that's why this technology is being more adopted. It's a 20-year-old company. It's not like we're a new startup. Broadcast sports is dominated by male athletes. When I say dominated, I mean 95% male athletes. Female athletes, regardless of their talent, are not being represented in broadcast sports. And as you talk to people about why that might be, there's an interesting political challenge. People are not, I don't think, being very frank about the discussion of the challenges involved in capturing women's sports. Broadcasters need to broadcast things that are going to make money. Full stop. It's not that women don't deserve to be broadcast, but it's not something that quality has hit yet. And ultimately, broadcasters have to make money. So how can women athletes help the broadcasters make it easy for, easier to be heard? How do women find their voice in this space? How do they compete in a different arena 
And so because we're involved in athlete audio, introducing this to females in a new way, introducing it to females so that their voices can be heard. And I think what females have to hear, we haven't mic'd enough females to know what they want to talk about on the course, what they want to talk about on the arena. You know, not casting judgment, not saying what else is talked about, but in a women's sport. I don't know whether I'm going to find F-bombs or if I'm going to hear a lot of, you go, girl, you got this. And if I could take a woman's sports game and cross it with the Kardashians and mic it up, bam. Let's create good drama. Let's create something that's a higher value for people to watch. Let's let's change the game. Let's change the game. Let's find the voice of women athletes in a compelling way that makes broadcasters sit back and say, give me some of that. People want to hear that. Bring it on. So there you go. That's what I'm playing with. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. You know, coming from a background, I think you know of, of from elite level cycling and the men versus the women's pro peloton and how very different it is on very many levels and the broadcasting for sure. And the amount of times that I have heard, you know, it's like, I remember one race in particular where it was like the women averaged higher speeds than the men. The women took the descents faster than the men. The women, like on some crit races where you're racing around like a, almost like a NASCAR course, but in cycling, it is like there was more action happening in the women's race than there was in the men. But none of that's captive. Like nobody, nobody sees that. Nobody hears that. And the difference in dialogue of, for me being inside of the sport and, you know, watching so many men's races and being a part of so many women's races and the difference in what is talked about in the Peloton, what is going on amongst the teams, amongst the, between the the team and the team director and the team cars. And it is 100% a reality show that like people would watch. I'm like, if you only knew what was happening. <laughs> So in November, late November, I was in New York City and I was at a 400-person event put on by the sports video group. And video, not audio, but sports video group. And the closing keynote speaker was the president of ESPN. 
And when asked the question in the opening comments about what was the most exciting thing that he looked forward to in sports entertainment in the year to come, he said, access to athlete audio. <laughs> Yay. And this is a video group, right? And so that's the place that we play in. And so there are times, so I don't know, leadership thoughts. There are times that as a leader, everything just parts in front of you. I don't know. I'm kind of seeing Moses in the Great Sea without being Red Sea, without being super religious. But everything just parts and like the road is clear and you can just go. And sometimes as a leader, you're just facing current. And I'm seeing a salmon in the Miramichi or trying to swim up the Mactiquac, like swim up um, the head pond at the dam, right? You just see this salmon with all the head, head water current facing them. So sometimes as a leader, it's a matter of looking at where is there a channel and where is their current hitting me? And so I think Dave's probably heard me before say, I don't think I make decisions. I just lift my paddle. So at times when I'm facing a fork in the road, I picture that I'm in a kayak on the Miramichi or tube. Literally, I'm in a tube, but I wouldn't have a paddle that way. And I lift my paddle. Which way is the river going to take me? So back to the sports analogy, Emily. So I think women in sports have been rowing up the wrong river. I think they're trying to compete on the broadcast side using the male set of rules for how males compete on broadcast. And there's nothing saying you have to play by the same set of rules. So why can't we just switch the rules? And so let's think about promoting women athletes in a completely different way. It, the rules don't have to be the same. So Leadership and recognizing when are you in the current, when are you against the current, when do you push harder because you can. And on the the you know the male athlete side, you know, we've been pushing hard to have male athletes wear these devices. I, I described to you that they're like this. Okay, but attach this to an athlete that they feel comfortable. And they don't have post-it note stickiness to it. So you can't attach it to somebody with anything sharp. So there can't be pins or clamps. And so this gets attached into an undergarment or a strap, like you would wear your iPod or, you know, your device that you're listening to music. So for males, we have to stick this in an undergarment, which could be a sport bra. So that's not something that most male athletes are excited to start their day with. And so we are, as an organization, trying to lead something and push a concept, and we're facing that resistance. So we kind of have to stop and say, all right, we're facing some headwinds here. Where are there no headwinds? Well, with athletes that don't care and already have an undergarment to stick this nice flexible device into. So back to how do you create win, win, wins? How do you create something that's good for the company and the technology? And it gives me reason to be out there spending time in the space. How is it a good thing for women athletes? How is it a good thing for the sport and attracting young women into the role models that then they can see in broadcast? And how is it good for broadcasters to provide 
variety to, again, the audience and the viewing public that wants to hear something entertaining and new and fresh. What's going through my head right now is like, it's so funny is like, how do I invest in this? Like, how do I get involved? How do you know? <laughs> like it's pretty compelling. It's what it's surprising for, you know, for me knowing you as long as I have is, and I, everything you're saying makes hundred percent of sense. Right. And, you know, Emily as a female athlete, that was a great, those great stats, Emily around, you know, the bike race you talked about. And it was just re- recently I was watching um, a hockey, a women's hockey um, on TV and all the, all the broadcasters uh, were women and the game was really exciting. It was a, it was a high, it was a really good pace. It was, I think they're playing Finland maybe. And I was thinking, man, you wouldn't have seen this 20 years ago. So it's kind of exciting. Like the time it's, you know, like to your point, Nancy, where my question was, is going is more around, <clears throat> you know, you reference that the engineering award women, you know, in engineering. And I've always kind of known you that way is like, it's just like, I just want people to show up as they show up. I don't want to be, you know, women-centric or men-centric or anything. You know what I mean? Like, that's how I've kind of always experienced you. And to hear where you're at now, something's changed. And that's why I'm not all in on this right now. I'm like, mm, is this my thing? Like, I've always been passionate about something. So whether it was entrepreneurship in Atlantic Canada or before that, you know, active measurement of quality control during pharmaceutical manufacturing, as niche as that sounds. Like, I've been around something, right? Even in my pharmaceutical days, I was on international um, standardization committees and things like that. So this is, it's got all the right pieces, but it might not be all of the pieces. And you put your finger exactly on one of my central concerns. Like if I was Emily in my job, yeah, this would be super authentic, but is it enough? Is it enough authentic for me? So I'm not sure yet. That's the question mark. So I'm putting it out there and and I need to find some more Emily's who tell me their stories. And then that contagion that I talked about before, maybe that sets in. So this has all the pieces. It has the leadership. It has the corporate. In something that I can make my own decisions. When I say ownership, I mean not necessarily the financial benefit from it, but the ability to make my own decisions and set my own course. So I want that leadership opportunity. I want the independence and my own bandwidth. And I just want it to be fulfilling, fill my bucket. That's a very nice criteria. You know what I mean? So you've got the criteria listed as well. So what about that, Emily? I mean, Dave, I think I'm not allowed to poach her, right? Like we do have an understanding somewhere in a document that you and I have signed. <laughs> Not for the podcast or it'll, it'll die. <laughs> oh, I just mean that's how I roll with everybody. <laughs> you know, it's interesting around this thing of like finding your voice and finding your arena and finding your place where you're going to like really speak up. And even for me, for women in sport, um, you know, I've had a few things happen to me throughout my time in sport that it's like, yeah, I could really make a stand for something, but I'm like, is that where I need to be investing my time? And I've never been certain about it. And even with them, you may not be familiar, but I run a leadership um, program for youth. That's all about um, building confidence and leadership. And I started it initially girls. And right away I was like, no, I need a boys program too. Like it wasn't, there's so much more to it. And, um, but with that, you spoke about, is it enough? And so what is that? Is it enough? And why is that so important that it be enough? 
Well, I'm, I'm tempted to pick up my camera and show you the other side of my room, but I'm not sure my room, <laughs> I'm not sure it would work well on video. So enough, enough is an interesting word. So Dave will know that I've spent years as a real disciple of Patrick Lencioni and the five dysfunctions of a team and everything that he puts out, I love. And I love frameworks. And so when I finally committed to doing this with you guys, after much chasing, and thank you for your patience with me, I wanted to do something that had more teeth to it. So as I've been making my journey, and on, as I've been talking about finding my voice and finding my arena, maybe that's why it resonates with me thinking about helping someone else find their voice in their arena, because that's where I am right now in my year of open. So Dave knows me of in this five dysfunctions of a team concept. And there's five steps in a pyramid. And I anybody who's listening, go off and find five dysfunctions of a team. So I have this drawn on my whiteboard over here as a circle. And starts with open. And so that's where my year has been. But as I reflect back to making decisions and how I think, I think you have to decide to be open. And Dave from five dysfunctions of a team, the foundational being trust. You have to trust, no fear of, you know, having a trust with one another. So be open, be receptive to things around you. And then Emily, your question about your with the word enough is that next thing for me. If you're opening, you've got your antenna up and you're receptive to what's going around on around you. Ask yourself, like, just look at the word enough. And either you're going to read it as enough or you're going to read it as enough, right? Enough, deep breath, joyous, overflowing, right? I have enough. I have plenty. I have some despair for others. Or it's enough. It's a line in the sand. No more will I do this or eat this or drink this or not exercise or they mean things or whatever you're saying enough to in your world. So enough on both a good and a bad. And so if you're open and then you ask yourself the question about enough, then you really have to take the answer to that and align it with what else is going on in your world. So my third word, third word would be align or alignment. But I like align. I like words that are done, not words that are in process. Alignment sounds like I'll, uh, or aligning sounds like I'll always be doing that. But, you know, once you're aligned, so align that feedback into the rest of your life and integrate it in and figure out, is, is that okay? Is your answer to the enough question, whether it's enough and you've got stuff to share or enough and you have to stop something, then how does that fit with the rest of your life? How does that align with the other people and the other activities and the other projects that are already on the go? And then there's choice. It's not going to align perfectly. There's not an open parking spot for that thing <laughs> that you're going to, that you've decided you're going to add to your life or subtract from your life. So there's choice. So then you've got to sit back and go, okay. So I said I needed this. There wasn't enough. And I wanted to add this. It didn't align. And I still need to do it. How am I choosing to do that? 
And then the fifth step, and this is all new. This is me playing with myself over the last six weeks. The last step maybe is refresh or replenish or renew. Just kind of get back to normal. Reground yourself. Be good with the cycle you just went through. And then come back and put your antenna up again and say, open for business, open for new thoughts, open for new ideas, and then do it again. So I think I'm I'm in that loop or I'm in many of those loops. I think I'm in many of those loops all nested around each other. I kind of, I'm picturing a spirograph tool from my childhood where I'm a little loop inside a big loop. I love it. I feel like that's the story of my life. And yeah, I always think of it like the slinky, (laughs) that it just like, it keeps going. And sometimes you're up here and sometimes you're down here. Sometimes you go crashing down the stairs and and, like somebody picks you up and like pushes you up each step. (laughs) So that's what I just drew. I don't know whether that shows. I'm trying to get the angle on my, so it looks like kind kind of a daisy thing, right? That it's, a circle, but loops around the inside. So as I think about this, it's not like I'm going to take the whole year and circumvent this idea. I do this loop maybe every day with something. Hmm, how does that sit? Nope, good out. Sometimes the ideas are bigger, like this women in Sporsch. That might take me a long time to think through and decide how to integrate that into my life and make the choices that I need to make to make that fit. I'm going to bike over to Nancy's house after this and finish this. <laughs> I know, I can tell. <laughs> yeah, but I was going to say, how, like, how come so the, the like, women in engineering didn't, like, fully kind of fire it up for you? But it feels, it sounds as if, like, the women in sport is definitely having more of an impact. We have a thing within the Wallace McCain Institute. You have to start um, a conversation by asking the group a question. And this individual one day didn't have a question. And so someone in the group, in Dave's group, said, well, if you had a question, what would it be? And all of a sudden, his answer came. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, the person could answer that. And interestingly, Emily, I've been asking myself that same question inside my head for three months. And I haven't had an answer until you asked me that question outside of my own head. And the answer appeared. So great plug for coaching, by the way. <laughs> Because I try hard to coach myself, but there's an example of you need that outside voice to ask you the question. You can't think these through on your own. So to answer your question, I think I couldn't do it as an engineer because it was self-serving. What I've been saying to myself about women in sport is maybe I can't do that because it's not authentic enough. And who am I to be that person? But maybe why I'm finding it easier is that I'm doing it for others. And I've been a servant leader for the last 15 years. I haven't been doing things for myself. And so in my engineering days, to be up on a soapbox and rah, rah, women are it in engineering would feel like I was trying to bring too much glory onto myself. And I didn't do that. And maybe why I'm having both an easier and a harder time right now is that it's 180 degrees from that. It's not about me. I am not the woman in sports. I am not saying, help me find my voice. I'm not advocating for myself. I'm trying to advocate for others. And for me, that just makes me think of like that that's true leadership. 
that it is about something so much bigger than you. There's something there. And I'm an easy crier. So if I get emotional, oh my don't, God. Don't, don't feel you have to edit it out. I, I cry all the time. <laughs> have you met Emily Roger? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That's really interesting to hear that, you know, the kind of where your thinking's evolved to on that. And, you know, on many levels I can relate. I, what I would say as a pitch to, you know, to you to consider pursuing this further is I experiencing my daughter struggle, you know, just not having the options that some boys have because there's just not enough sport out there, right? Yep. And it's weird how that comes as, as so emotional, but it's just not fair, right? And it's just like, it was so weird to see it through her her lens, you know what I mean? Um, so, you know, like, I think it's a worthy cause, I guess, clearly. And um, I just had to tear up as well, you guys. <laughs> but I think... Hug the dove. I got my hug, yeah. I think that's great. I think it's awesome. And um, and I think we're at a really good place for looking to plug Nancy and get people to reach out to Nancy with their stories. So how do they reach out to you, Nancy? Nancy Mathis at Gmail is probably the best. Try to find me on LinkedIn. It's my multiple worlds that don't make any sense to anybody. So when you put a lens into me on LinkedIn, hopefully you've listened to this podcast and understand all the craziness that's in my life and all the diverse parts. Thank you so much for just showing up as you. It's really other times that we've had you on and we had an event, you know, you were, you're promoting, you know, entrepreneurship in Atlanta, Canada through, through an Institute. And it's just nice to hear you where you're at and just showing up kind of so authentically, like it's really, uh, it's really an honor, you know, and I have a feeling we have one more interview. So you can't bike over to Nancy's house right now, Emily, but I have a feeling that there's a lasting friendship between uh, the two of you here as well. Well, thanks for doing this, guys. It's been a really nice touchstone in my last six weeks. Like this has been a constant in my subconscious. Just It's been a, a nice forcing mechanism makes it sound like a negative thing, but it's been a very positive influence as things have been happening. And as I've been thinking through my stuff, it gave me a, a place and a reason to collect it with a little bit more than I would have before. So it was very, it was intentional to say yes at this time. I wanted to birth this idea and I wanted to do it here. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you, Nancy. So at the end of uh, each episode, Dave and I, you're probably familiar with this two takeaways. Dave, what is your takeaaway? <laughs> She's very familiar with, it. yeah. That's where Dave got takeaways. <laughs> yeah, we we kind of we borrowed it from uh from the Wallace McCain Institute, actually. <laughs> I guess this guy just being open and uh, not jumping uh, too quickly, I think, is something good for someone like me to consider as well. You know what I mean? Like I just and I, I love how you're role modeling that, Nancy, and that exploration. I don't know for me that's really hitting home because. At a certain stage of life, you really want to be doing stuff that is impactful at every stage. But, you know, but I'm, I'm noticing at this stage, you know, as I as maybe things change in my world and that I, I'd want to take the same approach. So that's really landing with me. What about you, Emily? For sure. And not even just the um, the open to all of the outside, but for Nancy, for you to just like you fully showed up as you today. It's like, I feel like I just met Nancy in her openness and that like, yeah, you're not just putting it out there saying it, but that is what you're going to do. You're actually walking that. And um, 
I'm feeling very inspired, very encouraged, very like so many different little takeaways and things for me to think through and process. And even just the the word enough of just the two differences between that and that in itself is just something that needs to really soak in. So thank you for that. Thank you for showing up as you. Thank you for, um, yes, it's just stepping forward into more and more and more of what, who Nancy is and what next, uh, what one of those gazillion little passions inside of you is then just going to kind of flood the universe. It's uh, it's exciting. I'm excited for you. And I cannot wait to connect with you outside of this and um, yeah, beg you to make time. You specifically, you find me on LinkedIn and you do something big on LinkedIn so that we can connect there and I can add you into my sports world. Yeah. Wonderful. Do I get takeaways too? You can have a takeaway if you want. (laughs) Of course. I'm going to reinstate my value of coaching. This was not pre-planned. Emily's question caught me in the middle of something that has been challenging for me and something that I have turned my attention to. And I believe and promote coaching with my whole, but just that pure power of being caught in that moment and having a realization that I couldn't have gotten myself to any other way. So my thanks to you, Emily, for the great question. Anytime people can talk to others in an, in a, a real and authentic way, great things happen. So thanks for what you do on this. Yeah, thank you. And so to wrap it up, unfortunately, uh, we will list all, uh, unfortunately, as in, unfortunately, it's time to wrap it up, but we will list all of Nancy's information and any extras we discussed in the show notes. And the best place to find the show notes is go on to our website at boilingpointpodcast.com. We are active on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. We will put the video versions on Facebook and YouTube. And of course, the podcast is available on all of your favorite podcast platforms. So until next time, thank you. Thanks, Emily. Thanks, Nancy. Thank you for listening. Follow or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app or visit boilingpointpodcast.com for more. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on BlastTheRadio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's BlastTheRadio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter.